and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord community Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. And I'm Kikita Kaori. Good morning. Hi there. Uh, now, this week, we are going to be looking at cities in Legend of the Five Rings, uh, what they are, and how to use them in your games. But first, we're going to have a little bit of news. Yeah, we don't have very much in the way of news. Night Parade of 100 Demons is coming out on February 2nd. We've we've plugged that before, but that date is upon us, so... We are going to, we're going to continue plugging it because it's very, very good and you should all get it. <laughs> yep. Uh, Death's Kiss by Josh Reynolds, which is the sequel to Poison River, uh, is out on Amazon pre-order. Oh, so that's... That's been confirmed. Ooh. Well, it hasn't necessarily been formally confirmed, but it is out there and it is on Amazon pre-order for whatever that means. It hasn't been officially announced. Uh, as it is on pre-order, it's supposed to come out June 1st, 2020. We'll see. Yeah, okay. That's that's looking forward to that. Uh Nice. I, mean, I, I hadn't heard anything about it other, other than, you know, Doji Shin will return in. <laughs> and uh, we also need to remind you that the FFG forums will be going away on January the 31st. So if there's anything on there that you want to keep, then I suggest you go and grab it as soon as. Um, and uh, feel free to come over to the courtgamespod.com forums and uh, hang out there instead. <laughs> but today what we're going to talk about is uh, cities. Uh, this is the start of a series we want to try and do somewhere in between all of our various, you know, lore breakdowns for new FFG stories that come out or anything else. Um, looking at different environments in Rokugan because, uh, you know, these are the places where your people are going to play. You can have whole campaigns set within one different environment or you can have players go from one environment to another and uh, having your setting be powerful and filled with strong images and you know with good stories that relate to their settings i think is good stuff for campaigns so that's what we thought we'd do a city campaign can be really quite different to games that the kind of the standard role-playing game pattern i think i've talked about this before just the fact that instead of the wandering about from place to place, you know, fighting things, taking their stuff, which is kind of what we're used to in role playing games, and is one of the core. I mean, you, you don't you don't quite kill things to take their stuff in the classic Emerald Magistrates campaign, but you are wandering about from place to place, finding problems and solving them. But in a city, and you can have a whole campaign that never leaves the city, the fact that everything is very close and is within walking distance and people have houses and places where they live really changes the dynamic of the campaign in fun and interesting ways. Like, you, you literally can go, okay, we're leaving the party, and it's kind of, oh, now we need to go and fight the bandits. I'm just going to nip home and grab my armor. Which is not something you can do when you're outside the dungeon and going, oh, ah, just realized I've, I've left, you know, my important artifact at home. No, you can't. But in a city campaign, it's like, I'll take five minutes 
I'll be I'll be right back. And you can do that kind of stuff. It's it's really interesting. Right. But I thought we'd talk about like first what a Rokugani city might be like. So uh the role playing game demarks a city as being more than ten thousand people in a space. But it can go as high as half a million people. During the Tokugawa period, the city of Edo got up to 200,000 samurai. Just samurai. Yes, there's well over a million there's people. There's a lot of people. Uh, there's a description in Emerald Empire, Chapter 2. It's all, it's all about cities. So you can go and read that, that there. Yeah, most cities are walled. Most have smaller walls and gates within them to demarc them into districts, separated into high and low ranking districts and merchant districts and such like that. Uh, I think in some cases, in what I've what I've seen in the samurai drama representations of cities is that very often they don't so much have walls. It's just that the houses are so densely packed that they, you can just put a gate over an alleyway, you know, a, a thoroughfare, and there you go. Now you can control who comes and goes. Cities are going to be major population hubs for all levels of society, generally fairly closely packed, unless you're quite wealthy. And generally, the Burakamin villages are outside the official walls or in some other undesirable area, like the swampy bit that no one actually wants to build on. Bottom of rivers is very common as well, actually. (laughs) The cities in general are going to be built on major waterways or ports, uh, rivers being a very fast way of moving people and goods from one place to another. Um, In Rokugan, they're built on major north-south trade roads. Um, They tend to be poorly organized. Uh, They are generally built where the – around a hill – in, in the images that we've seen for L5O, or um, not necessarily real-life Japan, but in, in the images we've seen, the wealthy people live on the hill or hills and away from the road. But also, they're in the center of the city because the city grew up around often a castle or you know, a fortification that everybody kind of flocked to to keep safe or otherwise. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you do wonder how much the the poor organisation is down to in, in real life. In a lot, a lot of cities, they start off as like a port or a trading post or a temple or a castle. In fact, several of those things, and gradually they grow outwards, and so you have these overlapping districts, which used to be this. This used to be a fishing village, but it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And this bit used to be, you know, near a temple, and then people started living near it. And now those two things meet and they merge, and you got these two different road systems, and it's all very confusing. And then later on, like a couple hundred years ago, this bit built burnt down, so they rebuilt it, and so now you have yet more changes. Which is, yeah, if you go you go to a lot of real European cities, the roads are very confusing and strange because it was never built. As a city, it grew organically. And you can compare that to a lot of American cities and modern cities where they, someone said, we're going to build a city. And so they went like, okay, north-south roads, east-west roads. We're going to number these. We're going to name these. And um, it must be said that the in the Heian period, the Heian-kyo, which is now Kyoto, 
uh, is literally on a grid system. And it was super organized. And there was like, there was based on 120 meter by 120 meter squares called Cho. And if you are quite wealthy, your, your palace would take up all of that. And if you are super wealthy, like if you're the unacknowledged son of the emperor who couldn't actually become emperor because of shenanigans, but the emperor still really liked you, which is Genji from the Tale of Genji, uh, you might have a mansion that takes up four of these cho, four of these city blocks, and that's your palace and that kind of thing. But it looks like the Rokugani cities tend not to be like that. And so they tend to be, they seem like more that organic grew up from those from a castle town and from from a trading port and all that kind of stuff and one might also wonder whether the the chaos and higgledy piggledy nature of uh role-playing game cities in general and rockagani cities in particular is down to how good the city planners the the map makers were at city planning (laughs) but sorry as always things can vary from city to city and from game to game. So do what you like. We'll talk about an organized city later. Um, But how do they form? So uh, villages that are well-managed in good locations will attract Haman from crowded or worse off areas. If if that area attracts laborers, that, that area can grow more rice. Rice is an extremely labor-intensive crop. Um, That attracts trade. That attracts wealth. And uh, therefore, that attracts more people. And then that area gets wealthier, and it attracts even more people. Also, uh, a daimyo will request direct service of talented retainers. And uh, that brings the, the, the samurai to living near the daimyo. Now, in the Tokugawa period in Japan, the reason Edo got so huge is because uh, the emperor ordered that the families of all the all of the daimyo in his nation live in Edo uh, as hostages, basically. Technically, that he was the shogun who did that. The emperor, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that isn't going to be an aspect probably of Rokugan because you don't have that kind of military dictatorship aspect, even though you have a strong central empire with a with an actual ruling emperor. They they don't have that super paranoid, we must do absolutely everything to keep the daimyo from rebelling against us kind of thing. So probably not quite that crazy. I mean, the not other thing that... Not quite that crazy. No, but but... The other thing that, that tends to form cities rather than towns, because good farmlands will, can form a town, but what really seems to form a city is where one trade route crosses another trade route. Because like like if you've got the coastal ocean-going ships that then come to a place where it's on a river, you've got to unpack everything. From your your big ships with which can go into deep water, and pack them onto shallower ships that can go up river, which means you've got to unpack everything, store it for a bit, and then pack it up again. Which means you need people living there who aren't farming. Their job is to unpack everything and repack everything. 
but they've got to be there all the time because ships come come and go. But that also means that all the really cool goods, all the luxury stuff, ends up in this one place where everyone's unpacking everything and storing it and packing it up again. So people who want the the, the nicest, fanciest stuff, they're going to start wanting to be on the ground to get hold of this stuff right away before it goes up the river or down the river and into the ocean. And then you've got lots of wealthy people. And then people start saying, well, those wealthy people are going to need nice food, so I'm going to go there. And that's another – yeah, the, the, the trade routes, specifically where one trade, trade route meets another, is where you get big cities. Now, in addition to that, uh, younger children of households – uh, of Samara households in particular, don't necessarily inherit the land that their parents might inherit. So they are going to try and attract the attention of wealthier or more powerful samurai as lords so that they can have a job and make, mo- you know, make money, but basically be housed and earn enough uh, to be able to establish their own household. So if you want to attract the attention of the Lord uh, or, or of wealthy people, you have to go where wealthy people are. So the daimyo will bring their talented retainers uh, to them uh, in near their castle, and then those same talented retainers uh, will you know, have money and power and be able to establish households. So younger children of households will go to the city to try and get jobs, basically working for those retainers. Um, also, of course, in times of war, city wall, city with walls provide protection. So everybody from the surrounding countryside uh, will flee to the cities in times of war, uh, or if there's bad attacks, and not everybody goes back. No, no, and and very often people flee from the grind of the countryside, thinking if I get to the city, everything be lovely, and they may or may not be right. But now, yes, in in general, <laughs> city life for the poor is worse off than country life. Mm. And, and although I rather suspect it doesn't feel that way after a hard day, you know. Back, breaking your back, planting rice seedlings. And you might well think, nah, the city's got to be better than this. And then you get there, and it's like, oh, oh dear. I have made a mistake. <laughs> but I can't go back now because then everyone knows that I was an idiot. So I've got to make a go of it somehow. Uh, yeah. And, and it, is, it is very interesting the way because you're wanting, you've got your castle and the castle town, and that means you. You need to run a castle, which means you need all these people, and they need to be housed, and they need people to look after them because you don't want them looking after their house. You want them looking after your castle, so they need servants, and those servants need places to to stay. And someone needs to make the food for these people, and someone needs to make the clothes for these people. And when they get bored, they want to they want to be entertained, and so theatre people start turning up, and there are the less salubrious, and so on and so on. It just kind of builds and builds and builds and builds, and that, that's another. Yeah, so this is all there. So what is life like in the city? So there's lots happening. There's lots of different districts. So you have samurai districts, which is kind of where we're going to start because this is a game where you play samurai. So there are going to be samurai districts, which can range from the large mansions of the very wealthy and very powerful 
your your you know the daimyos and their hatamotos and and they are going to have fairly large places and they'll have lots of room medium sized kind of player character esque samurai will have smaller places probably if they are married adults probably have a detached house with some grounds but not huge but it can go all the way down to row houses which are essentially single room dwellings where it's all yeah, just, you've you've got everything in one room and that's you and there's just a big long row of them and they have like a communal well and washing areas and all that sort of thing so you also have the shop districts that cater to those samurai because you've got standards you know you may be a poor samurai but you've got standards and you, you know someone's got to provide the clothing and the food and the other things that you need to keep up your standards so there's a lot of shopping districts very you know you're going to have entire roads that are just merchant houses with those very distinctive curtains at the front with the you know the, the those distinctive kind of signage and all that that things there will be shrines and therefore the housing for the the priests and the shrine keepers and 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 so forth very important to keep up your spiritual life <laughs> There will also be entertainment districts, which is another very important part of city life. They were very often historically kind of sectioned off. And so you get your entertainment district, your theatres, geisha houses. They were very often sectioned off in a kind of, um, well, if you must, it's all going to be here in this one place and a bed not spread or we'll get cross. And, of course, you also had inns and so forth for wealthy travellers uh, and, and obviously the people who come with them and some temporary accommodation for people who work there. And Yeah, so it's important to remember for those entertainment districts that the city, as well as everything else that it was, could very well be a tourist destination. Yes, that was a thing, yeah. It's, so that the... The entertainment district is drawing from uh, the city, but it's also drawing from outside the city as people go to the city to enjoy some entertainment before they go back to their normal lives, which, again, just like tourist uh, things do. And they might be going – people might be going as well to the shrines and then go catch a show. There's nothing (laughs) – you mix a little business and you know holiness and not holiness in the same trip. When it comes to tourism, one of the famous things you could get were in historically, and I think Rocky Guy should have this as well. And I would, I keep wanting to to detail what you find. The the kind of the 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 tourist guides and and postcards, the the ukiyo-e, uh, you know, I've I went, you know, here are all the famous places you can go to in Otsunuchi. Which you take when you when you go on your pilgrimage and you come back home. Here's all the places I went to. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And even even Hyman would go on that kind of uh, pilgrimage mm. trip. Um, it, yeah. It's not. Yeah. Uh, it's not just samurai who go go around. They might not be able to no, afford to no. go as far, the, the, but it they definitely did. Or or, or the the village would literally kind of gang together and one person would, or or a, a small group would get to go on the pilgrimage mm-hmm. and the, they were expected to bring back souvenirs so the rest of the village could kind of uh, 
what could could kind of oh, live vicariously. That's the word. Thank you. Yes, vicariously. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just, I want that part. I want those to be part of Rock Again. I think that'll be just neat. <laughs> now these we talked about merchant districts you know, selling things to samurai, but uh, there were merchant districts. There are merchant districts focused on trade and commerce. So you talked about this being on the trade routes. These these districts are packed with uh, warehouses uh, and are involved with s- splitting up and moving goods, temporarily holding them before they're distributed in other places. Now, these merchants can have a lot of wealth. Uh, they can have more wealth and better luxury than the samurai. Well, it, yeah, it, the yeah, some some of the samurai, yeah, because I, I suspect the 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 it kind of depends on when, what period you are you are stealing or mostly basing your rokugan on, because at the beginning of the Edo, say, the the balance was much more on the samurai side of things, but by the end of it. It was very much on the merchant side of things. But yeah, you're going to have individual merchants who are super wealthy and and samurai who aren't that wealthy. So yeah, it, it can really, really vary. So in Japan, a lot of the, the geisha culture that we have, the Obion culture, was all really catering to the merchants, not the samurai. So Because they didn't have any compunctions about <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's more that this is this is this is what we get to do while the samurai are off doing their thing, and we've got our money, so let we we also ought to have fun. But then this, often the samurai were going, that looks like great fun, and they kind of joined in as well. But yeah, a, a lot of the the geisha culture, uh, the kabuki culture, ukiyo-e, which now we think of as, as super fancy and high class were catering specifically to the merchants and to the, the townsfolk. Whereas the samurai are kind of, oh, no, 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 no. He wouldn't be seen dead there. Good Lord, no. That's for, that's for, that's for commoners. Oh, God. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of terrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we, you, you get to play with what you want to get to play with. So have fun with the things you want to have fun with. In addition uh, to these uh, merchant districts, there are commoner districts where normal people live, often driven by the wealth of those in the higher quarter districts. But this is where they just you know, live and they they work, um, and 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 just uh, shipping and fishing districts or dock districts. And as we said before, the Burkumen live outside the city. Most people live. And work in the same place. Uh, this is especially true because of the way Japanese architecture works, and that's where Ghani architecture works. You tend not to have a dedicated room that only does one thing. The whole point is you can change what each room does. Uh, so it is, it is very, very common for people to literally live above their workshop. And so this is where you get all the people making furniture, people making tatami mats, uh, people making clothing, dyeing works. All that kind of stuff all tends to be people live right where they are working as opposed to having a place of work and a place where they live. It can vary because obviously if you run a, I don't know, a a, a dying works, you're going to have people who you employ and they're going to live somewhere. 
And of course, servants who would not necessarily all live in the palace. They would. It's it's a thing where where if you're out in a a village somewhere, or if you're out in the castle town that's not in, that doesn't have a whole city, you know, you, you you're going to be tending to live in the place where you work. You're going to live in that samurai's mansion if you're their servant. But in a city, may well not work that way. You may well because you can just have a, a house that's like five ten minutes walk away. <laughs> well, um, so. I thought this was incredibly interesting, but uh, when you have a city, you have a large number of people living in the same place together, and there are certain logistics that need to happen in order for that to occur, and how people have done this is different in throughout history, um, but I find it very, uh, very interesting because, frankly, the number of times I've ended up going through a city's sewers as a PC is really, really uh, quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the official – there's always a sewer level. Although, given – I mean, Japan didn't really go for sewers because of the whole earthquake thing. Nope. And that's what I want to talk about is how do we handle all of these for cities? So I found some – I found a great paper – for those who like reading uh, academic papers on these subjects, it's in our show notes. Anyway, the two main things that are difficult for cities to manage and must be managed are the water supply for the city and waste removal for the city. Because a city that does not do this will die due to disease, basically. Um, and... Disease was a very, very big threat in a uh, closely packed city environment. So how do Japanese cities get their water? Uh, you can't just put down a billion wells. That's not how it works. Um, uh, it works out in the, in the countryside. That's okay, but it doesn't work for cities. There's too many people. Uh, in Edo, in Japan, during the Tokugawa period, uh, they got their water through two, three, three actual different water systems. Um, one was through exposed gravity-driven aqueducts from mountain springs. So the, outside the city, there was a mountain with mountain springs, um, and they would build pipes basically out of wood, use those pipes to run water downhill from these mountain springs into the city. And in Edo, this was called the Kondo system. And that was where especially the, the very uh, nicest houses would have water from there, but um, all of the houses would get it. The, in addition, there was a siphon-driven system from rivers. So they had water, they had pipes. And if you've seen uh, Masa Sake Cups, the traditional ability of wood joining, right, their carpentry was sophisticated enough to have fully waterproof long lengths of pipes that can keep uh, a vacuum. And so that's what they did to siphon water up from the river into a higher place using these pipes. And then it would flow down from the high place into, into a pipe system. Now, only the very, very highest ranking samurai had pipes from either of these systems go straight into their homes. So although running water was available, uh, actually, 
you would have to be like the emperor. <laughs> Uh, or, or the sh- well, I don't know about how that how, how that high up, but yeah, there's there's plenty of people. There's always enough people at the top because <laughs> they just do that. It was just a very very few. Yeah. So only the imperial palace and like two estates in all of Edo had um, actual running water in their houses because the pipes have run to their houses. I, I think. I think having streams running through your your property was a different thing, but that probably would not be drinking water. That would just be because yeah, water features and stuff. But that's a, that would be a different system entirely, I suspect. You can have it basically. You can have it. It would it would look a little different, and uh, it would be continuous. Um, but that's that's one way that you would get it. Another. Uh, mechanism, and this is how everybody else got it, is there was a whole series of centralized wells, and the running water from these different water systems would go into the well, and then everyone would come to the well to take it away, take it away and, and um, you know, give it to their households. So, so the, the wells were communal, and they were driven by this, this gravity or siphon-driven um, water system. Yeah, the, the the row houses would each have a communal well, and so for, for, for like several several families, they would all have one well, and that'd be their well. And presume that happened all over the place as well. And and I, it should be said that all of these have uh, water purification systems. Um, the water purification system can happen on your house level or on the well level, and they would do it with a a, a sand and a sand gravel. Uh, water purification system. So basically, the water would go into the top part of the system, which has the sand gravel, and then it would percolate through it and end up in the the trough or bottom part of the system that could be purified for drinking. And it's purified once it's gone through that. So all that you know, technology is is there. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a vital part of city city life is getting water in right, yeah, right. and you know one well could go bad because disease or something could get it and then that block will die all right uh the other city problem was waste removal and waste removal was very different in edo and traditional japan than it was was in europe because human waste was not considered a product to be gotten rid of. Uh, but it was considered a resource, and it had economic value. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is one of those situations where, where a lot of people are like, no, this is a problem. And in very much in Japanese cities, it was, no, 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 this is an opportunity. So basically, it was collected uh, from each home by Brookhaman and then carried often on ships away from the city to go be used as fertilizer for the crops, like for rice fields and stuff outside the city. Night soil would be traded on these ships as a commodity. So uh, the ships would come back from the farms carrying things like vegetables, and the Burkuman would sell the people, on, you know, would trade the night soil for vegetables. And often... The night soil was more valuable than the vegetables. And when that happened, that, that would come back to your household then. So when that happened, your family, no matter how they were, would make an income, like in silver, from selling the night soil in your household. To the point 
where there were all kinds of laws about who got the night soil from a landlord or renter situation. You know, it was an it was an income stream. It was a backup in, income stream for for households, um, and it also provided vegetables and and food for this city, which had a lot of people eating vegetables. I mean. Traditional Japanese cuisine has a lot of vegetable eating. To to give an idea of how well this worked, in the 1500s, 1600s, when Europeans were first looking at Japanese cities, they were astounded by how clean everything was because they didn't have sewer systems at home. And so their cities were generally horribly smelly, very unhealthy, and really bad. But when they were absolutely astounded by how clean the cattle city was, because everything was being used and being taken away instead of just being thrown away, Mm -hmm. which made a huge, huge impact on their perception of Japanese city. So that's really, really significant. Uh, Admittedly, in the 1800s, when Japan was opened up forcibly to trade, by this point, the European cities and the American cities had industrialized and had made enormous infrastructure projects, which you can't really do with before industrialization. And at that point, they were kind of saying, oh, these cities, they weren't as impressed by the cleanliness of Japanese cities, but that's because Japan hadn't had a chance to industrialize yet. So that gives you an idea of, you know, like, up until industrialization, the Japanese cities were much cleaner than European cities. Absolutely. For that reason, for exactly because it was a resource to be used and it was absolutely needed. Mm-hmm. It was not just solid waste. It was solid and liquid waste that were carried away in this fashion. Uh, liquid waste was also used as part of the tanning process. Uh, so, you know, to, to make leather and so on. Uh, did, in fact, use that and dying. So uh, everything was used and it made for incredibly clean cities. So I find this really interesting. Uh, it does explain, you know, part of how the food distribution, how, how food gets sold around very, very easily, um, as well as, as everything else. Now, that said, you can have caves under your city. It's all right. <laughs> you don't need Yeah. Um, Otisanuchi has, has, I believe, some cave systems mm-hmm. somewhere. Of course, and it, it is it is going to vary by, from place to place. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the other third, the third system uh, intrinsic to a city is the street system, and overall for the street systems, they were in decent shape in that they were they had. Um, you know, they didn't have sewage running in their streets, but uh, generally carts and wagons are pr- are pretty few too. On the other hand, they did not pave many roads. Some of the cities might have paved roads, but they did not pave very many roads. So come a rainfall and that city does turn into like a foot of mud. <laughs> City roads can turn into a foot of mud. The roads did get muddy enough that one of the things that would happen is that the uh, geisha would travel on the roads in these like foot tall geta to keep themselves above the muddy level of the streets and keep their kimonos clean. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, getter were um, very common for that precise reason because <laughs> the, the the roads could get really gross. Um, and that's why a lot of there weren't a lot of um, carts and stuff. Uh, often human pulled carts, but uh, they were there because you still need to carry large amounts of stuff around. So yeah, yeah, you tended not to get um, pack animals pulling carts in the in Haiyan Kyo in the in the Heian area where they had wide streets and it was a well laid out capital the aristocracy being carried around by ox cart was a thing but as far as i could tell like animal drawn carts were pretty much a rarity certainly in the cities but human drawn carts were pretty common right <laughs> in general cities were ruled by a are ruled by a governor the governor is appointed by a clan or family daimyo um Odasanuchi, of course, being an exception. Uh, for large cities, each district in the city might have its own governor. So that's uh, slightly different. Um, the Each district can have its own municipal court and court bureaucracy uh, associated with that governor. governor. Um, and then there's a chief magistrate that rules the city magistrates that do the patrols, tax collection... You know, enforce the law, that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, um, in Rokugan, they just tend to to they tend to have it more as these are appointed by the clan or family daimyo, but they could also often be almost hereditary. But I suspect it rather depends on how well that family has been doing recently at their city management. <laughs> uh, but that, that's where your clan magistrates start from um so the city like magistrate magistrate the bugyo they would be the ones they, they're a combination of mayor and governor and chief of police and then the kind of the, you have people under under them doing the actual law enforcement and doing the actual city bureaucracy and all that kind of good you're not just going to be dealing with the you know the law enforcement and governing portion of uh, the city you're going to be dealing with yeah, the underclass from time to time. Uh, Rokugan, as standard, doesn't have straight-up Yakuza, or at least not not really exactly that. That's, that's not quite what we, what we seem to have. They may come later. They may come later. They may come later, but they have someone very, very close, which is the, fi- the, the firefighting gang, who supposedly are there to fight fires, and they get paid... If they fight a fire, fire being very, very important and needing to be dealt with very, very quickly. So having these guys is, is terribly important. But given that you can kind of say, well, we'll take extra special care to make sure your place doesn't burn down if you pay us extra, they can kind of get into a sort of protection racket kind of area which is uh, very much proto-Yakuza. So, and, and in fact, if you don't pay them enough, um, your place might accidentally catch on fire rather more often than you might expect, and such like. So uh, the, the firefighting gangs of Ryoko Owari particularly are quite famous, both in the game and, I suspect, in Rokugan as a whole. They may not be quite so blatantly criminal in other places, but you never know. 
And you also get organized and semi-organized cabals of beggars and pickpockets and bogus fortune tellers and street entertainers and... Gambling halls. Burglars and all of whom may well owe protection money of their own to the Oyabun and that kind of thing. And of course, there's going to be individual criminals who just do their own thing at their own time. Those those are all very iconic. <laughs> so that kind of sums up the uh, kind of the structure of the city, how they they see they generally work um, in ways that you know you might not have thought of or might not be familiar with. Um, images. I thought we I thought we'd wrap up you know this this episode with some images of cities you might want to incorporate in game. Uh, Kovar, you've got some pictures you're going to share with us for our, in, in links for our, our listeners to actually look at those. In our, in our show, in our notes, show yeah. notes, yeah. But uh, for, our, for our listeners, some of the images that you might want to describe at your table or, or think is, is like rows of shops with the Noran nor curtains. These are the little kind of uh, shade type curtains uh, advertising what the shop sells or giving the name of it uh, above the doors and then tables outside on the street uh, with a lot of their their goods that they have to sell or half half in half out of the out of the shop um you you have these informal roadside bars bars called izakaya and they are like little stand-up restaurants <laughs> they'll serve drinks snacks just kind of walk up to the bar and grab something yeah you also get um essentially food carts which set themselves up and they will do noodles or dumplings or what have you that's very common candied hawthorns on sticks <laughs> it's very famous famous we'll walk around with a can you know a, a straw filled uh bundle on the end of a staff and you have all these like dango or candied hawthorns or other treats sticking into the straw sticking out so you can go go buy one from someone who walks around selling it um let's see we've got lots of people uh packed in the street you know hawking their wares and then you have all these little mini parades happening all the time where an important person might be traveling in a pelican or on a horse or uh, otherwise going, and they would not be there by themselves. They would have this little, uh, a little parade of all their servants and their attendants, and you know, people carrying stuff for them, people there whose job it is just to clear the way so that they could go past. So you have all these little, little mini parades oh, because yeah, gotta have. Gotta have an entourage. Right, and, Gotta have an entourage. And people will watch or or not, especially if it, you know. So so if if someone like Bayushi Kachiko is traveling across the city, and her beauty is legendary, people and people would be stopping and watching to see if they could catch a glimpse of this this legendary uh, legendary beauty as she goes on. And this would be uh, like in Japan. This would be like the Obayan parades in Rokugan. It would be a famous. Famous lady. Um, and then you'd have these uh, sento, these large public bathhouses, 
um, that you would come and you would pay a couple of uh, boo to go. And as a tip, of course, you're a samurai. You just use it and potentially leave a leave a little tip. But uh, you go in and you could have 50 people in these um, sento bathhouses just all taking baths together. Yeah, they they may be gender segregated. They may not be. It all depends. Mm-hmm. But uh, those are some images. Do you have any other images that you wanted to think that a GM might want to include? Well, yeah. There's there's all sorts of you know. You've got the iconic rooftops. You've got the the space between the row houses where you have the little you know bundles of bamboo just kind of stacked up in a corner. Um, wagons you have to kind of. Negotiate your way around as you're running after that person who you need to find. You have the wide open streets. You have the very narrow streets. So many, you know, you have the roadside shrines, which are just, you know, they're just there and they may have a little statue and a place for, you know, for the person to sit and pray in front of. Yeah. I mean, they, they end up. These little shrines, of course, there are big temples, but they have little shrines that they, they, they look like, I don't know, a fire hydrant. They're just stuck for no reason right here, you know? Yeah, just, yeah, because they've just always been there, and the city kind of had to grow up around it, because you're not going to be moving a shrine. That would be bad. So, uh, anyway, some images to, to take with you. Uh, just overall, we talked about what cities are, are like overall, how they formed, the, the kinds of districts there are, the general city logistics. We talked about the ruling class of the city and the underclass, and we talked about some images you can use in campaigns. So, you know, please go out and design your city and tell us all about it in your role-playing campaigns because we want to hear your city, uh, hear about your cities, and we want to hear what you have to do. Uh, our next episode, we will talk about the city of Otosan Uchi as a big example of this. And then we'll also talk about some more um, little mechanics things and maybe some adventure ideas that you would want to do in Otosan Uchi or uh, your city, wherever it might be. Uh, but I think that's it for this episode. Absolutely. So we're going to give a shout out to our various sibling podcasts and patrons. We're going to start with our other Core Games Network people, including the Legend of the Five Rings LCG podcast, our Live from Tokyo podcast, Tokyo the Five Rings, and our two actual play podcasts, Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortunes and Strife. And we would also like to give out a shout to our friends at D20 Radio, who have a plethora of role-playing game-related podcasts. So whatever it is you're into, you'll be able to find it at D20 Radio. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs, as well as our website, where we can store and see longer-term information, summaries of our podcasts, all different our role-playing game tools, and so on. And for our Patreons, we have early access to our AP podcasts. Um, we have a couple of adventure seeds. I need to write more. Uh, if you would like to see a good adventure seed for a city, please let me know. I will think of some neat stuff. I probably will try and put stuff up anyway. And uh, other things as we think of them as we come forward. But uh, our Patreon lets us have lots of neat features also on the Discord site so that we can use them like 
all kinds of uh, emojis and all that kind of good stuff. So thank you to our patrons. Online, you can find us at courtgamespod.com. On Twitter, we are twitter.com slash courtgamespod. And we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. Right, I've hit record. And okay, so this is, we're going to redo the, for our, for our editor, we're going to redo the online things and then we're going to go to the outro. Online, you can find our website at courtgamespod.com. On Twitter, we are courtgames. On Twitter, we are twitter.com slash courtgamespod. And we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that's it for us this week. This is Kakita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Korvar. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy.